Hello, and welcome to Creston Global's The International Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome back for episode two, part two, and I'm here again with Jack and Mark to discuss in greater depth Creston's global business culture research, the entrepreneurial mindset, key report takeaways, and how the business landscape has evolved over the years since they've both been in business. If you've just joined us as a new listener, I'd recommend going back and listening to last week's part one to fully appreciate the context, though I can guarantee you'll still get some great tips and insights from our entrepreneurs if you want to stick with this one. As we've mentioned before in previous episodes, a big part of Creston's research and subsequent report has been around this idea of an entrepreneur, our coined phrasing for international entrepreneur. And it would be great to hear what you take the mindset of a successful entrepreneur to be. What is it that gives them the confidence to take that leap of faith? The survey uh, examines what, what an entrepreneur's mindset is. What is an entrepreneur? What is their mindset? Um, and for me, it's all about somebody who is really prepared to explore beyond the bounds of, of their home nation um, to develop and expand business opportunities. But that does also include startups. This isn't just about having a, uh, an established business that is just going to attack a bigger geographic market. Um, again, we've got a, a fantastic example um, through the DIT GEP program of, of a company that was established in Australia. Um, it's a company called Snacker, um, and they are early stage, and they basically provide a service within sporting um, arenas, where rather than Mark and I having to get up and go and find a pint uh, at one of the bars and perhaps miss the goal or miss the try or whatever the event was, you can actually get an app on your phone and you can dial it up and they will bring it to your seat. Um, and it's actually the vendor that is paying for that service. So it doesn't cost you as an individual any more to do that. They've proven their business model in Australia. Um, they've already been talking to, to various arenas in Australia, but they've recognized that actually they've got a much bigger market if they can bring that overseas. And they're likely to grow exponentially quicker than if they were to stay just in Australia. So the, the principles, there are three principles, have basically moved lock, stock and barrel to the UK and are now in the process of setting up that business and growing it here in the UK with a view to then expanding into Europe and also into the States. Um, that to me is what an entrepreneur's mindset is all about. Yes, I agree entirely with Jack. It's about seeing the opportunity and seeing the world as a smaller place than it previously was and where your markets can be for your product or service or whatever it is you're doing. I mean, there are new ways of working being invented literally every hour at the moment. And uh, it's crazy to think the way the world is now and how these people can, can trade internationally and do business internationally because there are no, there are no real barriers to that um, in, the current, in the current world. You know, people can explore overseas countries, their business practices and cultures before actually ever visiting that country. They can make contacts with people. They can learn more about that country and how it operates. And 
They can build networks with overseas stakeholders, whether that be suppliers, customers, recruitment, or finding partners and investors. So I think today's entrepreneurs are ambitious. I think uh, they're keen to learn about the best way to develop their business, regardless of the location. Uh, that for me is an, an entrepreneur mindset. Now taking a look at the research findings themselves in some greater depth, can you summarise what for you was the key takeaway from the report and why? For me, the key takeaway from the report is the overriding need amongst both existing and future entrepreneurs to understand the local market, the business culture, and also the tax issues. And for myself as chair of the Global Tax Group, it was quite good to see that tax issues are somewhere near the forefront of people's minds when they're expanding overseas, because as we always say, plan to succeed. Um, and it's always good to be consulted before someone does something. So for me, that's where our Creston Global Network can truly excel in providing international solutions to these individuals and their businesses. And the white paper showed that, that you know there is a real need for what the Creston Network can offer, both in terms of uh, that, that uh, personal network knowing people around the world and also having that in-country local knowledge of the business practice, the culture and you know the tax regulations and what people need to do to move into another market. Yeah, I think the key takeaway for me is, is, is very much in agreement with Mark. It's, it's the support does exist. Um, it is there. Uh, admittedly it changes maybe from one country to another but certainly in the UK and certainly there are many other countries that already have that support network in place. We just don't market it as well as we should have done. We don't communicate maybe as well as we should have done um, because it's clear from the survey that people are struggling to find it. So uh, we need to do better and that, that's one of the key takeaways for me out of this, certainly for the Creston Global Organization, is how do we make sure that those potential entrepreneurs know exactly who to go to, in which countries, and what support they can get. Perhaps the most important question for a few of our listeners. Do you have any advice or insights you can offer to aspiring entrepreneurs looking to expand or move their business into a different cultural environment? The outlook for entrepreneurs at the moment, I think, is, is quite challenging. Uh, we have a market where there is a lot of uncertainty. Um, whether it's about global supply chains, whether it's about uh, what's happening in, in Ukraine, unfortunately, whether it's about redundancies and employment and interest rates and everything else that is going on at the moment. It's creating uncertainty in the marketplace and investors don't like uncertainty. Um, and what we are seeing in the UK, I, don't, I can't say for, for certain whether this is mirrored elsewhere, but certainly in the UK we are seeing a bit of a slowdown in the capital markets. And it's being driven not because there aren't companies that want to list, because there are, there are sponsors and nomads who would be very happy to take them to the market. But the problem is that institutional investors, because of that uncertainty, are stepping back and just saying, well, we want to see what's going to happen over the next six months, 12 months, two years. Um, but also we want to understand how all of this, this uncertainty may impact on the value of the businesses and the value at which we may invest. So it is creating that layer of, of uncertainty within the institutional investors and therefore 
uh, a little bit of caution about whether they're going to invest at the moment and, and if so, at what value. And we're also beginning to see that translate into or transmit through to the private equity um, firms, funds and, and the family offices as well. So I think in terms of the outlook, I certainly am not saying to people, don't do it, don't go there. Um, but what I am saying is uh, you need to think ahead. And if the market may not be right now, what can you do to make sure that you are deal ready so that when the market does come back and the market is perhaps more positive, you're in a position to move and take advantage of that? Yeah, and I would say that that's our experience as well. And one of the key challenges for startups in particular is funding. And if there's uncertainty in the market that is affecting the funders, you know, that's going, that is definitely going to make that more challenging. Having said that, you know, the entrepreneurs that we come across are extremely driven people with great ideas who often bring different ways of doing business. And for those individuals, I think the future always looks bright. So the advice I would give to future entrepreneurs is to get the right team around you. I think this is a very important aspect. I think a lot of people will have that great idea, they'll have that business proposal, but in order to formulate that into a plan, they do need to get the right team around them so that they're getting the correct advice, people with experience, maybe of entrepreneurs who've already done that and gone down that road, you know, the obstacles to look out for, the challenges that might lie ahead how best to structure uh, the way your business is operating. So for me, my advice would be to get that to get that team, get that team together early uh, so that you are getting the right advice as you move forward with your, with your project. Yeah, key advice uh, would be seek advice early. Get that team together, but seek advice early. Um, the support does exist. We keep saying this, it does exist, so you've got to find it. Um, but prepare, be prepared, not only for when the market does become more positive uh, and, and there are again lots of people out there saying we have money to invest, uh, we just need to invest it in the right opportunity. So be ready for when the market is, is back and, and, and open for business, but also be ready for that opportunity when you get a chance to sell your business, when you get a chance to pitch to somebody because you may only get that opportunity once. So you need to make sure you've got a pitch deck in place. You need to understand, you need to make sure that you can really uh, demonstrate to somebody what your business proposal is and what the business model is and how it's gonna work and what the impact of that is gonna be. And quite often, it's they, they talk about elevator pitches and 30 second pitches, but it, it can be a very brief moment in time when you get to speak to the right person. And if you're not prepared for it, you may well miss that opportunity. I think that's right, and as Jack will know only too well, you know, if you are considering a sale of your business, you might have to start planning for that years in advance to make sure that it's something that's attractive to a purchaser, it's got the right structures in place, it's got the right systems in place, but not, and also, you know, from a from a tax planning point of view, that you are going to, you know, take take the correct advice to pay the minimum amount of taxes as late as possible uh, within the spirit and uh, written re uh, legislation that we have. 
And finally, given how much experience there is between you both, it'd be really interesting to know how has the entrepreneur landscape evolved since you entered the workplace? Has technology been the biggest influencing factor or is there anything else that's changed dramatically over the years? We've got computers now. I can't help but laughing because unfortunately I've been in the game quite a long time now. So I've got 30 years plus of experience in corporate finance. And and I think even in the early stages of my career, when I was uh, recently qualified with Ernst & Young, um, there was still a lot of a lot of talk about cross-border deals, but inevitably, yes, I think over over time I've seen an increase in in cross-border. Probably for the reasons that, that Mark talked about very early on in this process about the world's becoming a smaller place, or it seems to be becoming a smaller place, and and people are less inclined to think, oh my God, it's far too much work or aggravation. I'm never going to get to grips with this. It, it's it's seen as a a lot simpler to go overseas nowadays than it was frankly, even 10 years ago, let alone 30 years ago. Um, So definitely seeing the entrepreneurship um, mindset growing and expanding as we see the opportunities expanding. And I think the other thing we're seeing over the years is that the world is becoming a a more demanding place Um, and, and people aren't happy to be on one side of the world thinking, well, everyone on, on, on the other side have all these wonderful facilities, wonderful products, services. We want them here and, and we want them to be we want them to be available to all of us. So all of that has generated a wonderful marketplace where yeah that expansion has been possible and it's definitely happening. Yeah, and I and I think I've probably been doing this kind of a role a similar amount of time to Jack has been doing it doing his role and uh, you know I would say that Probably when I started out in my career, the international aspects of business were almost entirely the domain of already large established companies. So you had these very large companies who were had a global presence um, because they could they could afford to have systems in place, which by today's standards wouldn't be acceptable. Everything now is almost instant and you know I I reply to my clients pretty much the same day every time I get a reply from them. You know back in the day that would not have been the case and business I think moved more slowly and therefore international was pretty much the domain of the, of the larger businesses. I think what's been the biggest change is that there are now those barriers are not there now. So that's why we're seeing the younger entrepreneurs come through, particularly with, you know, startup businesses, new ideas, new ways of doing business. And for me, that's that's the biggest change that I've seen during my career. I think as well, Mark, we're seeing all those, those leaps in technology uh, and the advancements, even just in the last couple of years during the COVID environment, Everybody now is is used to working either on Teams or Zoom or other platforms, and there isn't that same. Yes, you have to be uh, careful about time zones, but there isn't the same difficulty of of trying to communicate from one side of the world to the other. It's nowadays you get the time slot and you're immediately face to face with somebody over Teams. It makes it a lot simpler to do that work. Um, there is no substitute for, in my opinion, for for personal relationships. And I think there is always a need to have that that meeting face to face at some stage. 
Um, but the way that we have technology today, the technology advances, just means that that international cross-border transaction is just a lot easier today than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. And that's it for episode two. A huge thank you to Jack and Mark for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you both. And next week, we've got three new guests to introduce you to who will be representing the Latin American arm of Creston. Until then, a link to the report is, as always, in this episode's description if you'd like a read. And if not, we'll see you again next week. Bye. Bye.